Bibles this morning, if you will, please, and turn to the book of Matthew once again. And I know that we have been in this uh, uh, passage of Scripture for uh, quite a while now. And you say, Pastor, are you okay? And uh, it's not Christmas anymore, and you're right about that. It is not Christmas anymore. Uh, and I think I said this several weeks ago, I'm always, I'm always reluctant to preach a message just because it's a holiday. I, I, uh, sometimes God doesn't lead that way. But um, I think that we, ought to be, we just ought to be yielded to the will of the Lord, as Brother Horn was teaching this morning. But uh, anyway, but during the Christmas holiday, I thought, well, I, I at least want to go over there. Because I don't, I don't read that passage uh, probably as much as I should. And so I, I want to go over there and at least study uh, through the Christmas story a little bit. And man, it never fails when I do that. God begins to just open the windows of heaven and pour out so much that I just can't, I can't give it to you in one Sunday. There's just no way I can do that. And so, so far we have learned from the Christmas story what we learned from the wise men. And we took several services and talked about that. What we have learned, what we learned from King Herod. And then we took a little while and we talked about what we learned from the Nativity Star. And so today we want to uh, switch gears all together. <clears throat> and I want to talk to you about this subject this morning. What we learn from Joseph. What we learn from Joseph. And I, I believe this is going to be a help to you. I really do. And it's been a help to me. And God's used it in my own personal life. And so I hope that he'll use it in yours as well. And so Matthew chapter 2 in your Bibles, when you find your places, if you're able to stand, let's all stand out of the, uh, out of, uh, uh, the reading of the Word of God here. And we'll read the first 14 verses. So we're going to read a, a few more verses than we normally would. Matthew chapter 2. And verse 14, now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, <coughs> he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And now Bethlehem and the land of Judah are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of these shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Now I want you to notice especially the next two verses and verse 14 is our text. Uh, and verse 13, and when they were departed, the wise men, when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream saying, arise, and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word. 
For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Verse 14, I love it. When he arose, talking about Joseph, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. You may be seated this morning, and I want to talk to you about this subject, what we learn from Joseph, uh, what we learn from Joseph. And I, I believe this is going to help you today. I really do. And so I hope that you'll hear me out. Let's go ahead. I was so tempted to stop and make commentaries reading the scripture because we've learned a lot uh, through this series, and I, I hope we're going to learn a little bit more today. And so let's go to the Lord and ask God to help us, and we'll jump into this Bible study this morning. Father, we love you, and thank you for the opportunity to be back at Calvary. And uh, Lord, I've been here over 30 years now at this same church with these same wonderful people. And yet, Lord, as I walked into this place today, Lord, I was nervous all over again. And uh, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for that nervousness because it makes me understand that I must depend upon you. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would help us. I pray that you'd help me. Lord, as I do my best to try to preach, Lord, the most important book that's ever been written. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd help our people, Lord, as they listen. Lord, a lot of times it's, it's uh, quite a bit easier for me because I'm up here and I'm moving and I'm speaking. And, Lord, sometimes it's a little harder for them to listen. Some of them are tired. And so, Lord, would you do this right now supernaturally? Would you give them an extra dose of stamina? And God, I pray that they'd not only be able to stay awake, but I pray they'd be able to listen intently. And Lord, I pray that you would help the truth to find a resting place in our hearts and minds. And I pray that we'd leave this place different than we entered earlier this morning. Bless the live stream. Help it to work seamlessly, please. And we pray that Christ the Savior would be lifted up and glorified. We ask you for your power and Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. Joseph. Scripture doesn't actually give us much information concerning Joseph outside of his genealogy. The Bible does give a number of verses in the book of Matthew concerning the genealogy of Joseph. And outside that, I'm going to be honest with you, our, our, our knowledge of Joseph is somewhat limited. Let me give you some things that we do know about Joseph. For instance, number one, we know that Joseph was a just man. Now, Matthew chapter one, verse number 19 says, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her, talking about Mary, was minded to put her away <coughs> privately. The word just there, meaning innocent or holy. Uh, and so although we don't really know a lot about this man, Joseph, I'm thankful that we do know this. He was a holy man. He was a man that lived an innocent life. It's the idea of purity. And so he was a, he was a pure man. And uh, we glean that from Scripture. Not only was he a just man, but let me tell you something we know. We know that Joseph was a carpenter. In Mark chapter 6 and verse number 3, when they were referring to the Lord, they said, it's not this, talking about Jesus, it's not this, the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James. 
And back in that day and time, it was normal practice for the father to, uh, to educate his son. So in this case, it would have been Joseph to educate his, what would really be his stepson, Jesus. Uh, well, they would educate their sons in their livelihood. And so we believe that uh, because the Bible references Jesus as a carpenter, that it's very, very likely that Joseph was also a carpenter. One of the things that we learned over in uh, uh, Israel was that uh, more than uh, uh, wood and nails and, and uh, saws and hammers and things like that, that it's probable that Joseph and Jesus were stonemasons. Uh, when the Bible talks about carpentry back in that day and time, uh, they used a lot more uh, uh, cement and, and uh, masonry uh, material. In fact, we were in, uh, we were in a, a city right there close to Nazareth, and uh, we visited, <coughs> visited a coliseum while we were there. Neat thing to see. And then we also had the opportunity to go into a home that was probably owned by one of the richest families in, uh, in Zippori. was the name of this little city there. Um, and they believe that there's a very good possibility that Joseph and Jesus traveled over. It was just a little hop, skip, and a jump that they traveled over from Nazareth to Zippori, and that they probably helped build uh, that Colosseum and, uh, and that home that was there. And so we know that Joseph was a just man. We know that Joseph was a carpenter. We know this. We know that Joseph was the husband of Mary. Uh, not only does Matthew tell us that, but Luke's gospel tells us that. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 5, the Bible says to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so there are some things, although we don't know a lot, we, we know several things about Joseph. But I want to tell you something today. There's something else that we know about Joseph. And although the Bible doesn't use these precise words, I do believe this. I believe that Scripture, there's enough in Scripture that teaches us this great thing about this man. And this is it. Joseph was a man of great faith. He was a man of great faith. Now you say, preacher, where in the world do you see that at Scripture? Now I'm going to show that to you today. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 2 and look at verse number 13 and verse number 14. The Bible says in verse number 13, and when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, watch this now, arise and take the young child, that's Jesus of course, and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word for Herod uh, will seek the young child to destroy him. Now, the other day, I was reading verse 14, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, I was just blown away by it. I just couldn't get away from it. Verse 14 says, when he, talking about Joseph, when he arose, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. Now, I know you're probably like I am, and sometimes if we're not careful, we'll read over Scripture so fast that we miss a lot of great things in there. We'll, we'll miss the vitamins. We'll, we'll miss some of the content that's in the Word of God. And especially when you're reading a verse as simple as verse number 14. It's not a very long verse. It's not a hard verse to understand. But if, you, if you're not careful, we'll read over that and we completely miss the great content of verse number 14. Now, with verse number 14, church, I want to ask you this. Can you imagine... Now think with me today. Can you imagine the faith that verse 14 took? In fact, let's read it again. Verse 14 says, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed 
into Egypt. Pastor, I'm not following you. Okay, hang in there with me. I want to try to unpack this if I can. So here the Lord comes to Joseph, and he's asking Joseph and Mary to leave what is already a volatile situation for one that's seemingly much, much worse. You understand that Joseph and Mary have already left the comforts of home. They're really not in their, their comfort zone. They, they have been mandated. We've heard a lot about that word the last little bit. They've been mandated to leave their hometown and to travel to a place called Bethlehem and they're to take part in a Roman census or what the Bible calls a taxing. In fact, if we read this right, Joseph and Mary, who have been espoused as husband and wife, haven't even had the, the opportunity to celebrate their espousal. Now, back in this day and time, the espousal was just as, just as strong as our modern-day marriage. But, but after the espousal, they would have a big wedding celebration. It was a big thing in Jewish culture. And oftentimes, it would last for days and days. And, uh, but we find no place where Joseph and Mary had, have had any opportunity for their family to gather and for them to have a wonderful time of celebration. No, they've had to pack up lock, stock, and barrel. And they've had to travel down uh, to Bethlehem or up to Bethlehem, I should say. Uh, and now, and now the Lord comes to them and he's asking them to leave Bethlehem and not only travel, but travel to a totally different country, the country of Egypt. Now, different scholars say different things, but I, I studied this out and some say it's this far and others say it's that far, but the best that I can put together by just reading a lot of different scholars, this trip from Bethlehem to Egypt uh, probably at least took a week, at least a week, with a, uh, with a, a young mother and a very young child. Now, church, I'm going to tell you something. This was not Union Grove. This was Israel. And that trip from Bethlehem to Egypt we're talking about some incredibly tough terrain. I'm talking about desert. I'm talking about a desert where uh, it can get easily, it can get up to 120 degrees during the day. And at the same time, it can fall off and get very cold at night. I'm talking about a place where there's wild beasts. I'm talking about a place where uh, there's, not, there's not necessarily a lot of plotted roads. And, uh, and so we understand that when, when the Lord comes to Joseph and said, Joseph, I want you to get Mary and I want you to get Jesus and I want you to leave where you are. I know this is growing a little comfortable to you, but I want you to leave this place and I want you to, I want you to make sure that you make your way down to Egypt. This was no small task any way you cut it. And as I read this verse the other day, I thought, wow, this took a lot of faith. Can I talk to you a little bit about Joseph's faith today? Several things I want to show you this morning. Number one, I wrote this down. It took faith to travel with family. Now look back at your scripture again, Matthew chapter two, verse number 14. Man, I love it, I love it, I love it. Verse 14, now in verse 13, God has commanded Joseph to take care of his family. Verse 13, he's called Joseph to minister to the needs of his family. And verse 14, the Bible says, when he arose, notice Joseph's response, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother. Hey, can I just stop just for a minute and say... 
way to go, Joseph. Can I just stop just a moment? The Bible says, let another man praise thee and not thine own lips. Can I just stop just a moment and say, we may not know a whole lot about this man, Joseph, but I'll tell you, one of the things we do know is this, that Joseph was determined not to leave his family behind. (laughs) And so God says, young man, I want you to take this little gal and I want you to take this small child and I want you to get out of Israel. Herod's gonna try to kill this child and I want you to get out of Israel and I want you to make your way down to a foreign land. I want you to get down to Egypt. And we notice here that Joseph was willing to do whatever it took to protect his family from the enemy. And by the way, Calvary, if I could just remind us of this, this was not just a physical battle. This was a very satanic battle. This was Satan's attempt at squelching the gospel. This was Satan's attempt at keeping the Son of God from going to the cross of Calvary. And so the devil wanted to take the Lord's life. And yet we find here that Joseph had the faith to travel with family. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that he could have forsaken his responsibilities. Some were. And many are. Several articles. This article said this, and I quote, there is a father absence crisis in America. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 18.3 million children, that's one in every four kids, live without a biological step or adoptive father in the home. One in four. Consequently, there is a father factor in nearly all social ills facing America today. I believe that. A big part of the problem that we're facing in America is because daddies have not taken up the reins and are willing to lead their families. Now, that's tough preaching this morning, but you know what? I think in America, we better get back to some tough preaching again. 23, listen to this. More than than 20 million children live in a home without the physical presence of a father. Millions more have dads who are physically present but emotionally absent. 23.6% of U.S. children, 17.4 million, lived in father-absent homes in 2014. In 2011, children living in female-headed homes with no spouse present a, uh, a present had a poverty rate of 47.6%. This is over four times the rate for children living in married couple families. Now, you say, preacher, what's your point? My point is this, that a lot of dads are are simply skipping out on their families nowadays. Oh, man, I feel some preach coming on. And I know this is Sunday morning, and I'm I'm trying to contain myself today. I'm going to tell you something, kids, you uh, teenagers and young people that are hearing me today, I want you to understand that it is God's will for you to keep yourself pure. It is God's will for you to keep yourself pure until you have one of these on your finger. It is not God's will for you to be uh, physically involved with a member of the opposite sex. But I want to tell you something. When that when that child is conceived, it becomes your responsibility. And it's not just her responsibility. 
It becomes your responsibility. And we have a lot of fathers that are, that are bowing out. And I'm going to tell you something. That's what I, I love about the scriptures. I was reading this and God began, to, God began to speak to my heart. I notice here that Joseph, Joseph, what's so great about Joseph, preacher? Joseph determined to follow God, but he didn't just determine to follow God, but he determined to bring his family with him. <laughs> yes. Man, I love that. If you were to ask me, preacher, who is, who is one of the, in your opinion, who's one of the greatest leaders in the word of God? I think quite a few people would say Joshua is probably one of the greatest leaders in the word of God. In fact, they, they tell us to this day that at West Point Academy, that to this day that they still use the book of Joshua in some of their teachings at West Point. Can I tell you one of the reasons that Joshua, in my opinion, was one of the greatest leaders of all time is because Joshua, his main priority was leading his family first and foremost. In Joshua 24, verse 15, we read that famous verse. Joshua said to the Israelites, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Joshua said, but, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to tell you, it would be a grand day in America if we had some dads who would rise up and say, I don't know what this family is going to do, and I don't know what the neighbors are going to do, and I don't know what brother so-and-so is going to do in Calvary, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Daddies would, 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 would guide their homes would to God that, that we would get back to that place where daddies would lead their families in Bible reading and lead their families in prayer and lead their families in worship and lead their families in faithfulness to church. And, and I say this with all respect and I, I wanna say this with a loving heart. Fellas, if you've got a good wife beside you, hallelujah for that. That's wonderful. But that little wife is not supposed to be the spiritual leader of your home. As good as she is, as spiritual as she may be, listen, she's not supposed to be the one that's leading the home. Fellas, that responsibility falls on us. Where to be the spiritual leaders? Where to be the one that follows God and says to our family, come with me. We're going this way. I want you to follow God with me. All kind of stories I could think about. I thought about a friend of mine who many, many years ago told me this story. He said, preacher, I was uh, living away from the will of God. And, and he said, uh, but my wife was saved. And, and he said, I had a little boy at the time. And, uh, and he said, every Sunday morning, he said, my wife would get up religiously. She would get up. She would fix breakfast. She would get our uh, our, our little boy up and, and uh, they would eat breakfast. And she said, he said, they would get ready and they would go to church. And he said, I, I just, I was not where I needed to be. And he said, I would, I would lay in the bed. And he said, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, my little boy would come there and he'd shake me in the bed. And he'd say, dad, dad, me and mama's going to church today. He said, dad, don't, don't, don't you want to go? Don't you want to go with us? And he said, I would roll over and I would say, son, I, I'm, I can't go today, but I'll go next Sunday. 
And he said his wife and little boy would get up and they'd go on to church and they'd come back and, man, he'd tell his daddy about the great day they had. And then he, all week long, he was so excited because daddy told him, I'm going next Sunday. And so that next Sunday, boy, how many know kids don't forget? And that next Sunday, that wife got up, man, she started preparing breakfast and they started getting ready. That little boy ran in the bedroom and he shook his dad real good. And he said, dad, he said, today's the day, today's the day. He said, we're going to church. And, and he said, I'd roll over and I'd say, I, I, I can't go today, honey. I'll go next Sunday. And he said, that happened Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And he said, finally, one Sunday came and said, my wife got up like she always did and and he said she prepared the meal, and he said my little boy came in there, and he began to shake me, and he said, Dad, you said you'd go today. Dad, you said you'd go. And he said just like all those other Sundays, I rolled over, and I said, Honey, I can't go today. I'll go next Sunday. And he said his little boy stepped back and said, Hmm, you're not much of a dad, are you? Turned around and walked out. Well, how many know out of the mouth of babes? That dad got up. He got dressed. And he went to the house of God and he got his life right with the Lord. Now, dads, I'm just saying this. It's our responsibility to guide our homes and our families. I haven't told this story. Listen, it's been years since I've told this story. I'm not even sure if I can remember to tell it right. Many years ago, there was a revolutionary war hero. His name was Ethan Allen. And uh, in modern day, they're trying to refute this story, by the way, of course. They, they try to rewrite history. Ethan Allen was involved in uh, a lot that was going on in the nation early in its, uh, in its birth. And, uh, and Ethan Allen was a lost man. He was very lost, in fact. But Ethan Allen had married a saved wife. In fact, the article said that she was uh, really religious and, and loved the Lord and would go to church. And, and so pretty much like this last story I just told you, uh, she would get up every Sunday morning and she would get her little girl ready and, uh, and they would go to church. And anyway, that went on for years and years and years. And finally, this little girl got to about, about teenage years, uh, 14, 15 years old, maybe 16 years old. And, uh, and Ethan Allen who had never, up until that time, had never darkened the door of the church, never went to church with his family. Uh, as his wife went in there on a Sunday morning to wake her daughter up and get her ready for church, uh, Ethan Allen went to his daughter and said, Honey, he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, You're old enough now to make your own decisions. And if you don't want to go to church, you don't have to go. He said, In fact... If you want to stay here with dad, he said, tonight I'll take you out and I'll show you how to paint the town red. And that's what happened. His little girl decided, I'm not going, mom, with you. I'm going to stay home with dad. That night they went out. As hard as that is for us to believe, they went out and sure enough, they painted the town red and he showed his young daughter how to live a wicked life and a godless life and a worldly life. And well, as the story goes, uh, his little girl got up with some other little girls one day and they got in the carriage. This was long, long before there was an automobile and they got in a horse-drawn carriage and they went down to a swimming hole and uh, they went swimming for a while like kids do. They got back in the carriage and had wet heads and wet bodies and on their way back to the home, uh, this little girl, uh, she became sick and she caught a cold. That cold turned into pneumonia. And especially back in that day, pneumonia was a very 
Serious thing. Still serious today. They called the doctor. And basically the doctor came out from examining the daughter and said, Mr. Ethan, or Mr. Allen, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do. And he said, if you want to be with your daughter, he said, you might want to go ahead and go in there right now. Man, they, they went in there and this little 16-year-old girl, teenage girl is about getting ready to take her last breath. And, and Ethan Allen told this story and he said that in one of her last breaths, she said to her dad, Dad, should I die daddy's way or should I die mommy's way? And the story goes that Ethan Allen flung himself over the body of his little girl and he screamed and he said, honey, make sure you die mommy's way. Die mommy's way. And he said before he could get those words out, his little girl took her last breath. And Ethan Allen said, I'll never know until eternity whether my little girl died daddy's way or mommy's way. Now, fellas, listen, I know this, and he's a preacher, this is a Father's Day. I know, I know it's not. But I'm just telling us something. It took great faith for Joseph to travel with his family. Hey, fellas, hey, fellas, you young dads here this morning, could you muster up some faith? Could you ask God to give you some faith? And maybe as we begin this brand new year in 2022, could you take that little lady that you call your wife by the hand and say, honey, I don't know what's coming down the road, but I know this by the grace of God. If I've got anything to do with it, we're going to follow Jesus Christ. We're going to live for God. We're going to be in church. We're going to be people of the word of God. We're going to spend time in prayer. Hey, hey, dad, it took Joseph faith to lead or to travel with his family. Quickly, I'll just give you the second go, the last point. Number two, I noticed, listen, it took faith to travel to Egypt. Now look back at your Bibles, Matthew chapter two, verse 14. The Bible says, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, notice this, and departed into Egypt. That's interesting. Because Egypt is most always a picture of the world. Egypt is most always a picture of the world. And so what is Scripture trying to teach us here? And here's the teaching, I believe. It is a picture of living in the world, but not being of this world. Did you know there's a reason, child of God, there's a reason that God didn't pull us out of Egypt when he saved us? You see, we're to be in this world, but we're to be different from this world. You don't have to go there. We don't have time, but you can jot it down if you want to. John chapter, you know what? We'll take the time. Amen. I want you to hold your place at Matthew chapter 2, but I want you to see this verse. Look at John 17, the gospel of John. If you're in Matthew 2, just turn right a few pages and go to uh, the gospel of John, John chapter 17. Uh, I believe this is important enough that we ought to see it with our eyes this morning. John 17 and verse number 14. Uh, again, we're to be in this world, but we're to be different from this world is what our Bible tells us. Now look at John 17 and verse 14. And Jesus said, I have given them thy word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now look at verse 15, interesting. Verse 15, the Lord says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. 
They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Listen, did you know when you got born again, there's a reason that God didn't elevate you to heaven? There's a reason that God didn't rapture you immediately to glory? You say, well, preacher, what's, what's the, the reason? What's the purpose? Well, something that I never really noticed in Matthew chapter 2 is this, that Joseph and Mary, because of their faith, because he was willing to follow the Lord and go to Egypt, I noticed that Joseph and Mary literally brought the light to Egypt. Now think about it. Jesus is in Israel. And God comes to Joseph and says, Joseph, I want you to load everybody up. I know it's going to be long. I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be tough. It's going to be hot. It's going to be cold. And it's going to be dangerous. But I want you to load everybody up and I want you to go to Egypt. Now think about this, church. I don't know where the border was, but I know this. Whenever Joseph and Mary crossed the border into Egypt, they literally carried the light to Egypt. Jesus is the light. Did you know there's a reason that God didn't pull you out of this Egypt when he saved you? And the reason is God wants you and I to carry the light to this nation. God wants us to carry the light to this world. Listen, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian and you're not letting your light shine, you are failing in your very existence. Why? Because, brother, when people look at us, they ought to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we notice here it took faith to travel with family. It took faith to travel to Egypt. Let's bring this thing to a close. Number last, last of all, number three, we notice it took faith to travel by night. Look back at your verse again. Matthew 2, verse 14. Man, this, this drew my attention. When he arose, Joseph, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night. Now, Interesting for this reason. If you study travel back in Bible days, whenever people would travel any kind of a lengthy distance at all, normally people traveled always in caravans. They always, especially going through the desert, they always traveled in caravans. Several reasons. Number one, usually caravans were large in number. Uh, number two, because travel was extremely dangerous back in that day and time. You never knew. There's a lot of hills in Israel. There's a lot of places to hide. You never knew when bandits would be just over the hill. And so for that reason, a lot of times soldiers and guards would travel with caravans. And, and so people would join up with a caravan. They would pay a certain amount of money and they would travel with a caravan. But we notice here in Matthew chapter 2 that Joseph set out by night, which implies that Joseph and Mary traveled alone. They didn't get hooked up with a caravan. This was in all, listen, this was a quick getaway. They were escaping under the cover of darkness. Now you say, preacher, big deal, really big. Let me tell you why, church. No such thing as a street lamp. You, this week, if you drive to Statesville in the middle of the night, it may be dark, but I can promise you this, in Statesville, there'll be a lot of street lamps. You may not, even if your lights weren't working, you could still probably maneuver enough around just because of the street lamps. There was no such thing as a street lamp. Back in this day and time, at least not like we know about, there was no interstates, no GPS, possibly no, there was no Rand McNally map. And I thought about this church, there were no flashlights. 
I mean, as simple as that sounds, there was no ever-ready flashlight that's got so many lumens of light. And there was no flashlights back in that. Maybe a torch, maybe a lamp. And I, as I read that, I thought, Lord, how's Joseph going to know where the holes are? How, how is Joseph going to know between Bethlehem and, and, and Egypt? How's he going to know where the cliffs are? Lord, how is this young man going to know where the robbers are hiding out? You say, preacher, what is the answer to that? And here's the answer. Joseph didn't know, but he knew God did. <laughs> oh, man, that's good. You see, by this time, Joseph had already seen God provide miraculously. Remember, we learned that when the wise men came and the gifts that they gave. Boy, Joseph and Mary were like, wow, as they saw the Lord provide. But now, Joseph not only had faith that God would provide, but Joseph had faith that God would protect. I wrote this down. Many Christians never accomplish anything for God simply because they allow fear to overcome faith. Could I encourage us today to take a step of faith? Just as sure as I'm preaching this, there's somebody here this morning and God's been dealing with your heart about something and you've been holding back, holding back, holding back. And the Holy Spirit has been prodding you and saying, you need to take that step of faith. Take that step of faith. I know, but I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't, I don't know what, 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 how things may end up. And, and I'm not sure what, 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 what's going to unfold. And, and, and that's exactly why I'm preaching this message this morning. Did you know there are times when we just have to pray and say, Lord, increase my faith. And, and although we don't know what's coming next, we just, have to, we just have to entrust. We just have to take that step of faith. I remember... Maybe this will help somebody. Many, many years ago, I remember the spot where it happened. Well, some things are indelibly imprinted upon your mind. My father-in-law, Steve Ayers, was the, uh, he was our youth director at Ufolo Baptist Church. Brother Steve taught our teenage class every Sunday morning and did a bang-up job. And, and I was uh, sweet on his daughter. And uh, I don't, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if we were engaged, I don't know, but anyway, we were sweet on each other, that's for sure. And I remember uh, sitting in their den there at their home, and Steve and I were just talking about some things, and he looked at me and he said, you know, you ought to teach Sunday school class. And I'll never forget my response. <laughs> Are you crazy? He said, no, I'm serious, and he was. Steve said, you ought to teach Sunday school class. I said, what in the world are you talking about? I could never teach a Sunday school class. He said, yes, you could. You could teach a Sunday school class. I said, Steve, I could never teach us. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I hated oral reports in school. I couldn't stand to give those things. And y'all know how it was. You wrote everything down. You wrote it on your hands sometimes, you know, and you tried to act like you wasn't reading it. And I, I hated giving oral book reports and making speeches and standing up in front of folks. And, and, I, and I told Steve, I said, there's no way, there's no way. And he, he just kept on and said, you can do it, you can do it. He said, I believe you can do it. He wouldn't leave me alone. And so somehow he convinced me. 
And I'll never forget that very first Sunday. I taught my very first Sunday school class. Folks, this is the truth. I'm telling it. I studied and studied and studied and studied. In fact, I had written out six pages of handwritten notes, six pages front and back, six pages. And that Sunday morning, Steve got up in front of the class. There probably wasn't but 20 kids in there, if there's that many. And he said, we've got a treat today. Uh, Boy, he lied on that one right there. (laughs) And he said, Stephen's going to teach our class today. Six pages, church. Six pages. Two minutes. (laughs) Introduction, body, closing, done. I mean, done. Two minutes. We were done. And he had to come up and try to clean up. You said, preacher, we should get back to that kind of preaching again. And... Now, wait a minute now, but I said all that to say this. I'm pretty sure that that step of faith is what led me to ministry. Before that, if you'd have said, are you going to be a preacher? I'd have said, man, you are crazy. But I took one little step of faith, and God did amazing things with that step of faith. Calvary, I'm done. Listen to this. The truth is, at times, life is very tough. And sometimes God asks us to do things that require faith. It's out of our comfort zone. Sometimes it doesn't even make sense. Sometimes we can't understand God's logic. But God says, I want you to do this. I want you to make this step. I want you to go this direction. And if you and I will obey in faith, let me tell you what it does. It brings glory to God. And it helps us grow as Christians. John Wesley, the great Methodist evangelist, John Wesley was talking to a man one day and the man was overcome with fear and worry. And they were walking along the way and and he said, I just don't know, I don't know, uh, Mr. Wesley, I just don't know. I don't know if I can trust God. I just don't know if I can trust God. And as they were walking down the path, they came by a stone fence and behind that stone fence was a cow. And that cow was looking over the fence And John Wesley said to this man that was doubting, he said, look at that cow. He said, do you know why that cow, oh, yes. He said, do you know why that cow is looking over the fence? Because he can't look through it. So he's looking over it. You know, there's somebody here this morning, truth of the matter is, you've been looking at that stone fence for the longest time. It could be there's a young man here this morning. God's been calling you to preach, and you've been looking at that stone fence. It could be there's somebody here today, and God's been calling you to do something or asking you to get involved in a ministry, or or God's been asking you to be the spiritual leader of your family, and you've been looking at that stone fence. Listen, this is all I'm saying. It's time that you look over the fence because you can't look through it and just take a step of faith and say, God, I don't understand what you're doing, and I don't understand what you've got ahead, but by the grace of God, I'm just going to step out, and I'm going to believe you. Faith, faith. Let me read this little story. I found this this week. I like it. The story said a young girl, unaccustomed to traveling, was taking a train ride through the country. And it happened that in the course of the day, her train was obliged to cross two branches of a river and several wide streams. The water seen in advance always awakened doubts and fears in the child. She did not understand how it could be safely crossed. As they drew near the river, however, 
a bridge appeared and furnished a way over. Two or three times the experience was repeated and finally the child leaned back with a long breath of relief and confidence and this is what she said, somebody has put bridges for us all the way. That's life. We fear so many evils, so many troubles, look dark ahead, so many difficulties seem insurmountable as they loom before us. But as we advance, we find there's a way through them. God has built bridges for us all the way. All the way. Faith. What is it that you need to step out in faith and do today? What's God been dealing with your heart about? What's God, what's God been challenging, uh, challenging you about lately? You know, today, what was today? January the 30th, uh, January the 30th. You know, it'd be a great day if some folks during this invitation just made their way down to this altar and said, Lord, I don't understand what's coming, but I know one thing, you've made a bridge. And I'm going to trust you by faith. And I'm going forward. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this time we've had together this morning. Lord, I hope we didn't preach too long. I hope, I hope it made sense. Father, help us to live by faith. Lord, we talk about that often. But Lord, many times we fail to do it. I'm so thankful for what Brother Mike taught this morning, that you're a sovereign God. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And Father, although we may not know what's coming next, I do know this, we can trust you. Father, you're dealing with somebody's heart today. Lord, you've been speaking to them about something. Today, I pray that they would take that step Sometimes it's a scary step. But I pray today that someone would step out in faith, believing that God's able to make a bridge. Father, have your way in this invitation. Please speak to hearts. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Can I ask just a question today? How many are here today would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I've been born again. I know that I'm saved. And if you can honestly say that between you and your Savior, without anybody looking, you just raise your hand as a testimony. I know that I'm saved. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. You can lower your hands. But I want to ask a second question. And the second question is this. May there be one here today who would say, Pastor... In all honesty, I could not raise my hand. I want to raise my hand. But preacher, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that here today? And I could, could I breathe a prayer for you right now? You'd slip your hand up and just raise it up and say, Pastor, would you remember me? If I died, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there one? You'd slip it up. I see that hand. Is there another? If I died, I'm not sure I would go to heaven. Pastor, would you pray for me? Can I pray for you? I'll not embarrass you. I'll not come back and try to drag you down an aisle. 
the Lord knows my heart. I just want to pray for you. Is there another anywhere? Can I pray for you? With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many are here this morning? And you'd say, preacher, there is something God's been dealing in my heart about. And I need you to pray with me that God will give me the boldness and the courage to step out in faith and do what he's calling me to do. If that's you this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking, would you just slip your hand up right now and say, Preacher, that's me, that's me, that's me. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you and you, God bless you. Are there others this morning, Preacher? Pray for me that I'll take that step of faith. God bless you. Would you stand with us all over the house this morning? Father, would you increase our faith? And Lord, would you couple your great mercy with that? Lord, sometimes we are, sometimes we're fearful. I wish it weren't so. But Lord, sometimes when you ask us to do things, we're fearful. Well, I pray today, Heavenly Father, that you'd, that you'd build our faith. Father, help us to obey. Maybe you're dealing with someone's heart to serve God in the ministry. I pray that obey. Maybe you're dealing with someone's heart about giving their offering to the Lord. I pray they'll obey. Maybe you're dealing with someone's heart about being faithful in 2022. I pray you deal with their heart. Maybe, Lord, you're dealing with a dad's heart right now. And you're encouraging him to be the spiritual leader of their relationship, their home. God, I pray they'd step out in faith today. God, maybe there's a teenager here today. And Lord, maybe they're, maybe they're going to a, a school, public school maybe, maybe even Christian school. And Lord, many of the kids around them are not living for God. And Lord, you have been challenging them to take a stand. And today, today, on January the 30th, they would say from this day forward, by the grace of God, I'm standing up for Jesus. Father, have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, I pray. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are back.